You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Icy wind and slippery roads. The snow woes for BC's south coast digging out after yet another blast of winter. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The winter wallop, a big deal for the South Coast. It's not often we see this much snow. Yeah, and hundreds of schools were closed today and getting around is once again a big challenge. We have team coverage for you tonight. Grace Key has your look at travel and transit troubles. Aaron MacArthur has more on the side street challenges. And Kylie Stanton has the dig out on Vancouver Island. But let's start with Grace in Vancouver. Grace, for those who did go out, it was pretty treacherous in some areas. Yeah, and you were talking about transit troubles. We'll just take a look behind me. We're just on East Hastings and Cassiar, where we've been uh, keeping an eye on this uh, bus here, one of the articulated buses. It's been stuck, I'd say, for about oh, 15 minutes or so. You can kind of see it's going back and forth, trying to get up this hill. Uh, last couple of minutes, it did finally let out all the passengers. So if you're in this area, just keep in mind, anyone who is trying to go on to Highway 1 East here from East Hastings, if you're trying to make that left-hand turn. Uh, that bus is blocking part of the intersection here. So there's also this median uh, in the middle there where the bus is. And a lot of those cars are also stuck. They don't have anywhere to go. We saw a couple of them who did actually hop the median there and they were able to get around it. But we'll keep a situation uh, on this. We did see a uh, tow truck here. So I don't know if it's going to try and help this bus or not. But uh, again, as you mentioned, there are certainly some transit issues across the area and good news for students who got a school day. Whiteout conditions all along Highway 1 through the Sumas Prairie made for some treacherous conditions. Drivers had to dig themselves out in the miserable weather. I went in at about 20-30 so oh, yeah. that don't hurt me. It was slow enough you know. After Monday's packed platforms, things were running a lot smoother on the sky trains. Extra staff was brought in, trains were manned, and de-icing efforts continued. So today's a better day? <laughs> yeah, definitely a better day. It was better. Yeah? A lot better. About 50 passengers were stuck on the Canada Line for three hours late Monday night. A train lost power near the Aberdeen station due to ice on the power rails. Okay, then after two hours, everybody wanted answers what's going to happen, what's our option, why we're just moving back and forth, and that's it. A rescue train was brought in to help, but it also faced power issues. As a last resort, passengers had to walk across the guideway at night to board another train that was brought in. We had the ICER trains running all day long, um, and they generally they work 99.7% of the time, they work. Um, there are issues like this that will happen. It's, uh, you know, just the, ra the, the, the weather can affect it. And a record number of tents have been set up this winter at Oppenheimer Park in Vancouver's downtown east side. According to the Carnegie Community Action Project, there's been an average of 47 tents a day over the last three days. And it was a dream come true for thousands of students. With another blast of snow, public schools, dozens of independent and post-secondary institutes across the Lower Mainland were closed for a snow day. The final tomorrow, but... I guess I'm studying at home. Gentlemen, shouldn't you be at school today? <laughs> Thankfully, no. How's the snow? Lovely. 
So we're keeping an eye on that bus there. It looks like it's inching its way up a little bit. Now there's a tow truck there, so it looks like it could be getting some help. So obviously still some problems here as the snow continues to come down. All right, thanks very much, Grace. Well, the major routes, obviously the priority for crews. So that's left side streets very messy. Aaron MacArthur is live now with more on those challenges. Aaron. Sophie, it's just a few feet off the main roads before things start to deteriorate quickly. And if you put a hill in front of any sort of driver, like the one behind me here on Oak Street, all bets are off. Slick roads, bad tires, and suspect drivers. How are you finding the roads today? All contributing to an interesting day navigating Vancouver streets. It wasn't very far away from the safety of plowed and salted main roads that people ran into trouble. We haven't really taken the, the cars down to the street. No, why take a chance? Have you seen any snow plows on this street? No. Cities don't have the resources to effectively plow all the roads. It's the primary routes that get done first. And other than preparation work on the secondary routes, drivers are left to their own devices. Secondary routes uh, we save for after we have the priority routes under control and they're fully clear. Oh. Oh. Pedestrians too, left to their own devices, especially vulnerable seniors and their care providers. Slips on icy sidewalks, one of the biggest challenges in the home care industry. It's the number two driver of workplace injuries for home care and community support workers. Keeping sidewalks clear, a crucial step to improve safety. That's what we're supposed to do, take care of the neighbors. Closed or treacherous roads make for terrible driving, but despite the barriers and unplowed streets, some people behind the wheel willing to take the chance. We've just seen a few more people try to come up Oak Street, think better of it, and head back down to 6th Avenue. Uh, we asked the city about plans to get to those secondary routes we talked about. The plan is to do them after it stops snowing, which is, of course, not tonight. Sophie and Chris, back to you. <laughs> Certainly doesn't look like it where you are. Thank you, Aaron. All right, it's deja vu in Victoria tonight, too. Kylie Stanton joins us with more on how they're coping on the island. Kylie. Well, yes, Chris, uh, snow has stopped for now, but whether you were on foot, in a car, or traveling by air, there were some major challenges getting around the city today as city crews just try and keep up with this weather. The snow stops and the cleanup starts. A slow and tedious process here in Victoria, where weather events like this one have the ability to bring the city to a halt. It doesn't have the equipment to do it. The city's response to that commonly held belief... Bring it on. Crews have been working around the clock, tackling what Ed Robertson says is the most snow he's seen since the infamous blizzard of 96. Back then, Victoria only had two plows on hand, but has been steadily adding to its arsenal ever since. Now, five tandems with plows, three smaller trucks, along with power brooms and bobcats, are clearing the routes on a priority basis. For the amount of snow that we have, I think we're really well set up, and we evaluate each year uh, to see if there's other things that we could add. Still, a few days into the storm, this is what it's like to drive down one of the main arteries, something many would rather avoid. Yeah, we're taking the bus today. We're not putting the car on the road for the next while. But be prepared to wait. BC Transit has cancelled 13 routes and all buses are running behind schedule. 
Making matters worse, its website is crashing due to the increased levels of traffic. We're doing the best job that we can given the circumstances and so uh, just please be patient with us as we work hard to get you to where you need to go. The same goes for passengers flying out of Victoria International Airport. More than 20 flights were cancelled Tuesday with even more delays as airlines tried to deal with the backlog. Those folks are probably being booked on other flights uh, tomorrow and the next day and those may be affected as well. So uh, I would understand their frustrations. Staying put is probably the best bet as long as you're prepared. We are uh, completely out of salt and have been sold out of shovels for about three days. The good news, this could be the last of the snow for a while, and barbecues and watering cans are stocked and ready to go. Now, they are hoping to uh, clear all of the side streets throughout the day tomorrow. City crews, like I mentioned in the stories, there will be working around the clock tonight. That could make life a lot easier for everyone here in the capital. Chris? No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Kylie. So, it looks like we're going to have to wait a little bit to get a break around here. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has more on what's coming up next. Christy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so still more snow overnight, that's for sure. We are expecting two to five centimeters of snow from Metro Vancouver and parts of Vancouver Island by the morning hours. Fraser Valley could see more up to 10. The big question is, tomorrow morning, will it still be snowing? Well, for Metro Vancouver, only a slight chance of flurries. I actually expect the snow to end by about 5 a.m. for Metro Vancouver. However, the areas I'm concerned about are the Fraser Valley and parts of Vancouver Island where they could still see a number of flurries. So the the concern would be, will the uh, roads be clear by then for kids to go to school, of course, parents to get to work. So we'll be watching this closely, but those are the areas of concern right now. All right. Thanks, Christy. The cause of this fatal fire in Coquitlam is under investigation. The conditions on the road slowed the response of fire crews. And when firefighters arrived, flames were showing on both sides of the mobile home, blocking the exits. Tragically, the elderly resident of that home died in the fire. Two nearby homes were evacuated and sustained minor damage. The suspect in the shooting of a transit police officer is now charged with attempted murder. 35-year-old Dayon Gordon Glasgow was arrested last week at a home in Burnaby. He is now facing a number of charges in connection with the shooting of Constable Josh Harms on January 30th. Harms was released from hospital and is recovering at home. The investigation is ongoing. Now to some disturbing new details in our ongoing investigation into money laundering in B.C., RCMP revealed that as they were closing in on suspected loan sharks and illegal gambling houses, they grew to distrust government officials with whom they had to share information. Global Sam Cooper is spearheading the investigation for us. And Sam, police say they had reason to believe that someone within government may have tipped off suspects about the money laundering raids. Why did they feel that way? That's right. The documents we found uh, show that there were concerns that some illegal casinos raided in the e-pirate operation were found empty. We know that the RCMP hit an underground bank location in Richmond and they seized uh, massive stacks of cash, about six million. But when police rushed into these alleged underground banks, they were empty. And in fact, police say that they found a warrant date circled, indicating that uh, someone on the inside may have got information and been able to run away. So the concern was, 
A lot of people within BC's government knew about these raids, knew about the locations, and knew about the suspects. And police were worried that they knew more than a lot of senior officers in BC. If these were illegal gambling houses operating outside BCLC jurisdiction, why would RCMP even have to share information about the operators with BCLC? Well, a lot of the information started from within the Lottery Corporation because the documents showed that Lottery Corp investigators got information about illegal casinos. And what occurred here is that the, the high rollers active in Lottery Corporation casinos were working allegedly with loan sharks, and these same actors were allegedly running the illegal casinos. So the Lottery Corporation had information. They say they wanted the police to investigate these actors. And uh, as we know now, some of the operation apparently worked at first, and some of it fell apart. Amazing stuff and amazing imagery, too, from some of those raids. Sam Cooper, thanks very much for your work. Thanks, Chris. A cloud of uncertainty is hanging over the throne speech today as there are still more questions than answers tonight about serious allegations of taxpayer misspending involving two of the legislature's most senior officials. As Richard Zussman reports tonight, a well-known MLA is under the spotlight again. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I move that Joan Isaacs, member for Coquitlam Burke Mountain Electoral District, be appointed Assistant Deputy Speaker for this session. The role of the Assistant Deputy Speaker doesn't usually get much attention, but these aren't usual times. And it's not about who is in, but it's about who is out. Linda, was it your decision to no longer be the Assistant Deputy Speaker, or was it... MLA Linda Reed not saying much today. Can you tell us why there was a change made in the Assistant Deputy Speaker? But she was named in the Plekis report and was accused of inappropriate expenses, something she has denied in the past. And while she wasn't talking, Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson filled in some of the gaps. The Assistant Deputy Speaker works closely with the Speaker, and so when the Speaker has made unfounded allegations about Linda Reed's parking, it's impossible for the two of them to work in a collegial manner. Green Party leader Andrew Weaver had been calling for Reid to step aside, now applauding the decision. There are very serious allegations borne out in the Plekis report. Uh, many of those allegations occurred while Ms. Reid was the speaker of our, of our chamber. As for the speaker, he wasn't saying much today either. There are still many questions about new allegations Daryl Plekis and his chief of staff Alan Mullen have made, including claims about people going to jail over the legislature scandal and that MLAs had broken the law. I have no knowledge of any uh, investigation of any MLAs at the legislature. I have no knowledge of any special prosecutors being Im Im imposed to ensure that any investigation was appropriate and transparent. As to when we may find out if there will even be charges in the legislature expense scandal, Plekis has said expect more next month. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, getting back to today's throne speech, Keith Baldry joins us with the highlights. It seemed that it was about making life more affordable for British Columbians, Keith. Very, very much so, Sophie. Uh, not a big throne speech. They usually aren't uh, quite large, only 14 pages, but basically all about affordability, which is what the NDP ran on as a campaign theme. So I'm going to walk you through about eight or so points I picked out in terms of highlights. There's all sorts of things in this. First of all, there's going to be a review of cell phone costs to figure out why your cell phone costs so much. Nobody, I, I think, saw that one coming. A continued freeze on major ferry fares uh, will be in place. There's going to be a speed up of housing development projects to increase the supply of housing. 
establishing four new Class A parks around British Columbia. Also, a move to full implementation of the child care program. That could lead to $10 a day daycare. Also, on top of that, strengthening First Nations rights by implementing what's called UNDRIP. And finally, two independent reviews of money laundering, but no public inquiry announced in today's throne speech. A point I, a number of us asked Premier John Horgan about afterwards in his scrum. Uh, and again, the more we talk to John Horgan about it, the more he outlines the problems he sees with public inquiries because he already has those two reviews underway. Here's the Premier. Maybe a public inquiry is warranted, but let's see what we get back from the two eminent people that we have already looking at this before we dive into years and years of hearings and, and, and mountains and mountains of legal bills. So again, John Horgan emphasizes the downside of public inquiries. You have to hire a bunch of lawyers who uh, lawyer up with a lot of witnesses and they can drag on for years. So still, I detect a real reluctance on Premier Horgan's part to call that public inquiry. But it may happen, but if it does, not for at least a couple months or so. All right, Keith, thank you. This resignation is not consistent with conversations I had with Jody a few weeks ago when I asked her to serve as Canada's Minister for Veterans Affairs and Associate Minister of National Defence, nor is it consistent with the conversations we've had lately. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau doing damage control following today's bombshell announcement by Jody Wilson-Raybould. The BC MP resigning from the Trudeau cabinet amid the controversy over reports the Prime Minister's office tried to pressure her when she was Attorney General to avoid the criminal prosecution of SNC-Lavalin. Wilson-Raybould has given no specific reason for resigning. Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson joins us now with more on this. Well, Mercedes, yesterday in Vancouver, the Prime Minister suggested Jody Wilson-Raybould's continued presence in Cabinet was proof. She didn't think that she'd been improperly pressured. So what does her resignation say then today? <laughs> Well, apparently catching the Prime Minister by surprise. Uh, he was at an announcement with a lot of buses and they joke in politics about throwing someone under the bus. That is basically what he did to his former Attorney General, saying that she didn't give him any warning that she was planning to do this, that they'd had numerous conversations and this was not his understanding. Uh, the gloves came off at this press conference. Take a quick listen to what the Prime Minister had to say. I am uh, surprised and disappointed and to be honest, don't entirely understand why uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould made the decision she did. Because if anyone, particularly the Attorney General, felt that we were not doing our job fully responsibly and according to all the rules as a government, it was her responsibility to come forward to me this past fall and highlight that directly to me. She did not. Nobody did. And that's why I continue to be puzzled. So you can hear there, he's basically laying the blame at Wilson-Raybould's feet. He says that she never came to him and expressed any concerns about the SNC-Lavalin deal. He insists that his government acted above board. And what he's basically trying to do here is take the story that's been out there that she somehow is a martyr or a hero or a victim here to imply that she was incompetent in her job. It certainly puts additional pressure on Wilson-Raybould to come out and say something about this now to defend herself. Well, things have changed in that relationship. All right, can't wait to see what happens next, Mercedes. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, the opposition is wasting no time in attacking the Prime Minister. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer saying Wilson-Raybould's resignation sends this message. 
If it wasn't obvious before, Ms. Wilson-Raybould's resignation makes it crystal clear that Justin Trudeau is trying to hide the truth with regards to the SNC-Lavalin affair. Jody Wilson-Raybould's father has never been shy about speaking out about the controversy his daughter is embroiled in, and he's holding nothing back tonight. Reporter John Waugh spoke to Chief Bill Wilson, who delivered a blistering critique of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government. I'm ashamed of what the Prime Minister has done to my daughter, but I'm also ashamed that these allegations prove out what he's done to this country. Strong words from a father who has watched from the sidelines. It disgusts me. Nobody should be treated this way. Chief Bill Wilson offering his voice as his daughter and now former federal cabinet minister Jody Wilson-Raybould remains silent amidst the growing SNC-Lavalin scandal. I mean, she upholds integrity and dignity in the rule of law, and she gets kicked in the teeth. Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada. Wilson admits he hasn't spoken much with his daughter since she became a minister in Ottawa, nor is he privy to her perspective to what he calls a demotion to veteran affairs or the allegation she was pressured by the Prime Minister's office to avoid criminal action against SNC-Lavalin. But he does believe Wilson-Raybould will stand up for what's right. It's not like Jody to be muzzled in any manner. She's a very strong-willed, talented individual. And the surprise resignation from veteran affairs seems to be a silent but strong rebuttal to what the Prime Minister said just a day before. We're bound by cabinet confidentiality. In our system of government, of course, uh, her presence in cabinet uh, should actually speak for itself. I have two children, both of whom want to be the Prime Minister. The elder Wilson, a hereditary chief, has never had a problem going head-to-head -head with a Trudeau. <laughs> Tell them I'll stick around till they're ready. <laughs> Squaring off in 1983 against then-Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau in a constitutional challenge for Indigenous rights. Today, there seems to be little chance of a truce between these two families. Aboriginal people being treated and kicked in the face the way we always have been hurt by his father, now by him. An angry father speaking out for now. I think you'll see her making statements, and I'm pleased with that. Believing it's only a matter of time before his daughter will do all the talking. John Hua, Global News. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, this February blast of winter is a mixed bag for Metro Vancouver businesses. For the stores that sell the right stuff, it's a boon. For others, not so much. At Home Hardware, sales are brisk. That is, for everything snow-related. Business has been going crazy. Everybody's buying salt, everybody's buying snow shovels and sleds. So the kids who are not going to school can go and play. But the recent snowfall is making life a challenge for many. At farm-to-table grocery store, sales are slow and staff struggle to even open for the day. I'm having issues coming over as well. I took a cab here. I couldn't, couldn't even drive, so the road is very bad. So. Across Metro Vancouver, same story. Many stores unable to open. Others empty. People uh, really come out from their houses, you know, slippery, stuff like that. And... Uh, 
and it's slow. Yeah, of course. Or what will you lose in two days? Uh, in two days, I would say quite a bit. <laughs> a warm cup of something, anything, has been on the minds of many. People are actually coming in there that they want chocolatey drinks for some reason. Like, we're getting a lot of hot chocolates, so that's something that's pretty fun. And then just a lot of, like, the, like, pastries that we have, like our cakes and stuff. While many shop owners have had enough of the snow, the kids are clearly loving it. The message? More, please. Tonight's forecast is snow, snow, and more snow. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And the lighter side of this winter weather, courtesy of the Vancouver Aquarium. Six rescued sea otters having a romp in the snow today during what's called an enrichment session. Pardon me. <laughs> With their trainers, the snow proving to be a bonus to the usual program. Uh, they're definitely <laughs> practicing mindfulness here, I think, is part of it, too. That is funny. Okay, as we approach Valentine's Day, don't kiss your money away. A warning tonight that romance scams are on the rise. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea, is here with some shocking statistics and advice on how to protect your wallet and your heart. Yeah, and very costly to victims in the millions of dollars, if you can believe it. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, thanks you too. Romance scams basically involve fraudsters gaining their victims' trust and affection only to eventually steal their money and personal information. The Better Business Bureau says con artists often create compelling backstories and fool victims into falling for someone who doesn't exist, a form of deception known as catfishing. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says romance scams are on the rise and most begin on social media sites or online dating sites. Last year, the reported loss from this type of fraud was nearly $25 million, and in B.C. alone, it was just over $2.2 million. Those numbers are up compared to 2017, where the reported loss to victims of romance scams was just over $21 million and close to $1.9 million in this province. The Better Business Bureau says to avoid becoming a victim, watch for red flags. For example, if they're encouraging you to come off of that dating site and communicate personally, for example, through emails or through you know, another, um, another messaging service, that is a red flag. Why are they telling you to come off quickly? You know, if, if you sense that they're rushing the dating process as well, things are moving really fast, that's a red flag for you as well. Uh -huh. Yes, because what they're trying to do is get you to trust as quickly as possible and then start asking you those money questions. And then you can also look out for that as well. If they're asking you for money, walk away. Actually, I would run. Now, if you do fall victim to a romance scam and have shared financial information or sent money, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Agency recommends to report it to the financial institution you use, contact police and file a report, and call the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre and the Better Business Bureau so they can investigate the matter for you. And if you have a consumer issue, there's my email address at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. Timely warning. Okay, thanks very much, Anne. The Mexican drug lord known as El Chapo could be spending the rest of his life in a U.S. prison. This trial has pulled back the curtain on international drug dealing in a way that no other trial has. A New York jury has found Joaquin Guzman guilty of all 10 charges against him. Guzman invented the modern-day drug trade, making billions by smuggling cocaine and bringing boatloads of narcotics into the U.S. He'll be sentenced in June and could get life with no chance of parole. 
Well, American lawmakers have made a deal on the U.S.-Mexico border to keep the government open, but it's still unclear if Donald Trump's going to sign it. At this point, the president is only saying he's not happy with the agreement, which falls far short of what he wants and what he's promised his supporters. Sir, will you sign Congress's border deal? President Trump tonight unimpressed by that bipartisan border deal hammered out by congressional leaders. Am I happy at first glance? I just got to see it. The answer is no, I'm not. I'm not happy. Still, the president wouldn't say whether he would sign or veto the bill before another partial government shutdown at midnight Friday. I don't think you're going to see a shutdown. I wouldn't want to go to it now. If you did have it, it's a Democrat's fault. But tonight, instead of threatening to declare a national emergency, the president's now hinting he'll take executive action to redirect money to pay for the wall. It's not doing the trick, but I'm adding things to it. And when you add whatever I have to add, uh, it's all it's all going to happen where we're going to build a beautiful, big, strong wall. The deal would provide nearly $1.4 billion for 55 miles of new border barrier, no concrete wall, and far short of the $5.7 billion the president's demanded. The compromise immediately coming under fire from the president's conservative allies. I'm getting details. $1.3 billion? That's not, a, not even a wall, a barrier? Any Republican that supports this garbage compromise, you will have to explain... It follows a combative Trump rally in El Paso last night. We have suffered a totally dishonest media. A man with a Make America Great Again hat attacked a BBC cameraman inside the cordoned off press area. The man was removed from the arena and the journalist was not hurt. In Health Matters tonight, more evidence that a healthy, active lifestyle early on can pay off in the long run. Swedish researchers found that teen boys who are obese and physically inactive could have a higher risk for chronic diseases as adults. They followed more than a million men for nearly 30 years and found that teens who were physically active had a lower risk of being on disability as adults regardless of their body mass index. A made in BC traffic delay. The details on this video after the forecast. And a look back at some of the snowfall amounts in round two of this winter storm that we've just all survived. Christy? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Christy. Yeah, so round one, number one was basically Sunday night through Monday morning. Round number two started last night and has continued through the day today. Westwood Plateau getting 20 centimeters, Cloverdale up to 15, Langley up to 12. Just to give you perspective, round number one beat it, beat this one. Uh, round number one, these numbers were up to about 30. I think the, the, the peak was 33. And for Vancouver Island, the top one was uh, 23 centimeters in the Victoria area. Uh, this is, again, round number two, whereas round number one from Sunday night, they saw up to 40 centimeters of snow. Nonetheless, it's a ton out there. All right, overnight tonight, we are going to see still significant snowfall, two to five centimeters for Metro Vancouver and Vancouver Island. Those of you out in the Fraser Valley, though, potentially up to 10. And the, one of the reasons for that is I am expecting the snow to last in your region a little bit longer. So your morning commute uh, by 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and 8 a.m., I'm keeping it as a wait and see type of scenario because we have a very slight chance of flurries. It's not so much 
much the snow falling in the sky. It's whether the crews have the chance to get out on the side roads because we will see that snowfall overnight. Whereas for those of you out in the Fraser Valley, we do still have a few flurries in the forecast. So uh, I think that there's a chance you may see some uh, school closures out in the Fraser Valley because it may continue to fall uh, just until about 9 a.m. for those of you in the Fraser Valley. All right, a few flurries accepted, expected across the northwestern sections, otherwise cold and clear. These areas here, uh, especially the Kootenai region, 5 to 10 centimeters of snow, but conditions will clear out overnight across all of southern B.C. So a few flurries in the morning for the Fraser Valley and parts of Vancouver Island, otherwise a clearing trend and sunshine tomorrow afternoon. It's Thursday that we're watching Valentine's Day. That's when we could see another round, but there is uncertainty as to the temperature when that moisture moves in. It could be rain, could be wet snow, could be snow. So we really need people to tune in. And I thought I would show you this shot from Nanus Bay. Gina sent us this and she said she's hitchhiking to Hawaii. But did she know, I don't think she does, that Hawaii got a little snow yesterday. <laughs> I heard that rumor. Really? Yeah. Higher elevations though, right? Yeah, not the, the yes, true, but the lowest they've ever seen. Oh, okay. Thanks, Gordo. All right, thanks, Christy. A rare and pretty cool sight captured on video in Enderby now. That's right. It's from late last week, but take a look. A herd of more than 30 elk spotted crossing Highway 97. As you can imagine, the scene brought traffic to a standstill. A local resident on her way to work captured the site. Her post on Facebook has now gone viral. Beautiful sight. Why did the elk cross the road? To get into the forest. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Squire is here now. Yes, I am. Uh, when Mike Riley was last with the BC Lions in 2012, he was the guy behind the guy. Seven years later, he's back, but this time he's the main man. As expected, he signed a free agent deal with the Lions, four years, 725000 per season, which in the CFL is big money. Uh, BC also helped Riley out. They signed offensive lineman Suk Chung from the Bombers. He's one of the best in the league. They signed, among others, receiver Lamar Durant from Calgary. They're excited about that guy. And defensive back Aaron Grimes from the Eskimos. Today's signings makes the Lions a Grey Cup contender in February. But in Mike Riley, BC now has the man most players in the CFL consider the best quarterback in the league and perhaps the most modest, too. You know, I'm not sitting here at this table uh, believing that I'm the one piece that you have to bring in and everything's going to be great after that. Uh, I know that I'm a part of this and I know that that everybody that's going to be in that locker room uh, during the 2019 season and beyond is going to have an equal part in that. The reality is Mike Raleigh is a big part of the BC Lions. He's the largest piece of Ed Hervey's building blocks that'll hopefully be the foundation of numerous great cups in the years to come, while at the same time injecting life into a stagnant fan base. Now that you're a marquee player, we need to impact uh, one of the larger markets in the CFL. And we understand that we have to do our part to help this league. And that means that we have to inject life into a fan base that is, you know, some may be skeptical of the organization, some is playing a wait and see uh, with this organization. And I believe that today, you know, for those who are sitting on the fence for wait and see, the day has come to now, you know, we put our money where our mouth is, and we're asking you as fans to commit and put yours, your faith back into the BC Lions. So first and goal. To the penalty and Mike Riley into the end zone. During his first stay in the Lions, Dan Riley was the short yardage package guy. 
He has since become the guy. Last year, he was the CFL's highest paid player at just over half a million dollars. He once again earned every penny, throwing for over 5,000 plus yards for the third straight season. He's also very durable, having not missed a game since 2015. You're able to get that key piece that can spread the ball around and is very dynamic in his own right. It allows you to be very creative offensively and do a lot of things and to score a lot of points, and that's what we we want to do. Signing a contract to leave Edmonton and to come to BC is my commitment to myself and to him that I plan to finish my career here. So I've I've signed contracts with two people in this league, Wally Buono, who gave me some crappy rookie deal that I didn't even know anything better. Thank you, Wally. I love you. Uh, and Ed Hervey, you know, and I plan on keeping it that way. I don't plan on that changing. Now, among other free agent moves, Bo Levi stays in Calgary. Trevor Harris replaces Riley in Edmonton. Some BC Lions moved on, which is all part of the new plan for Ed Hervey. Things have to be sacrificed if you want to be great. And I didn't want to be mediocre. This roster, this team, our organization, we're not going to be mediocre. So we're going to, we're going to sacrifice. And that means that some familiar names are no longer going to be with us. Because Jacob Markstrom felt sore and tight yesterday, and regular backup Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko make that as hurt, the Canucks had to make 19-year-old goalie Michael DiPietro swim with the Sharks. And it wasn't pretty last night. Uh, they made a trade today, though, the Canucks did, so DiPietro can go back to the safer waters of the Ontario Hockey League until he is truly ready for the NHL. The Canucks picked up veteran goalie Merrick Mazanek from the Rangers for a seventh-round pick. He was in the minors, but he does have 31 NHL games in his career, all with Nashville, where he started. Mazanek will be a Canuck until Thatcher Demko's knee gets better. But there was a silver lining in that loss to San Jose, and once again it was supplied by... Elias Pedersen. Another example of how this guy's like a good chess or a good pool player. He's always thinking one or two moves ahead. Even last night, he was able to fool a Norris Trophy winning defenseman like Brent Burns. Take a look. Burns thinks he's going to Besser on the left side. He literally stops, freezes Burns, and where is he going? All the way across to Bo Horvat. He saw what no one else saw. And yesterday, we had to ask former Canuck Henrik Sedin about Pedersen. Uh, I thought he was going to have a tougher time than he, than he, than he has. But he's, uh, you can tell when he plays that he, he thinks the game really well. And he makes the plays uh, uh, that when you watch on TV, you're like, pass the puck over there. And, and that's what he does. Like it's, uh, it's, uh, so that's been, uh, he has a... Yeah, he's great talent, great talent. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it, and he's only going to get better as well. That kind of a play you cannot teach. Mm-hmm. That's innate. All right, thanks, Squire. Thanks, Squire. You just know report for this evening. Lots of new snow across the province. Whistler Blackcomb, 12. Nice 19 for Grouse Mountain. Cypress picked up 9 centimeters in Sasquatch, also 12. Revelstoke, 3 centimeters fresh. Fernie, 8. Manning Park, 12. Whitewater, 10. Big White picked up a whopping 24 centimeters. Silver Star, 7. Sun Peaks, 5. Kiki Norris has 1 centimeter fresh. Mount Washington, 11. And Powder King, 1.
A stunning new IMAX film is about to hit theaters, giving moviegoers a rare and spectacular look at BC's Great Bear Rainforest. As Linda Ellsworth reports, while the pictures speak for themselves, the producers have also recruited a BC-born Hollywood A-lister as a narrator. The Great Bear Rainforest along BC's remote central coast is best known for the iconic spirit bear. But there's so much more to this place. I don't think very many people, even Canadians, really understand how special the Great Bear Rainforest is. Ian McAllister, who has photographed, defended and lived here for 30 years, decided to spread awareness about this rare jewel the best way he knew how. There really is no other format in the world that um, does justice to a, a place as beautiful as the Great Bear Rainforest other than the IMAX screen. And so three years ago, with funding from Kyle Washington and C-SPAN, he got to work. We had to start from scratch because the format is so unique. Shooting wildlife takes patience. There's so many days sitting in the rain, waiting for something to, to appear. But when it does happen, it's a, it's a magical moment. As for who would narrate the film, actor Ryan Reynolds seemed the logical choice. He's from Vancouver. He uh, has this affinity for the wild places of this coast, and so he absolutely said yes right from the beginning. If you look deeper, you'll see that the forests here aren't just above ground. The film, which highlights the importance of the Great Bear Rainforest to the coastal First Nations who call it home, opens February 15th. It's from Singapore to The Hague, across North America. It's going to be seen by millions of people around the world. Mmm, that's gotta feel great. They leave behind their personal scent and an awful lot of bear hair. Temperate rainforests like this are rare, and yet only a fraction of the marine environment and 30% of the land here is protected. With this documentary come hopes for change. This film is hopefully a reminder of not only how lucky we are, how fortunate we are to have this incredible place, but also a reminder of the responsibility we have to protect it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. That is beautiful. Whoa, Mm. can't wait to see it. Uh, okay, are you going to want to stay in and watch a movie tonight? Yes, Maybe? absolutely. Good thing to do. Be concerned tomorrow morning. I think all areas across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley should check in to see if schools are open. Uh, it would be the side roads that would be the concern, and I think the reason why schools would keep it closed. Okay, keep it right here tonight and tomorrow morning. Have a great night. Good night, all. Uh,